sit down with your people and ask them what success looks like to them. Ask them what is the most challenging thing they think is getting in their way. How do they see life every day? And get to know the reality that your people are working in so that you understand how to pave the way and get out of the way for them to be successful. Start learning, not just asking to be told. Take the time because they're going to tell you something and words are subjective. So success can be subjective. It's hard, subjective. It's challenging, subjective. Get specific. And so when people would ask me how, that's how this came about. I needed to go learn how to tangibly lead a leader to act on their curiosity. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Welcome to this episode of Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, your host and a coach at Quantibos. Our guest today is Carol Stizza. Carol is the founder, the owner, and an executive coach for Relevant Insight. Welcome, Carol. Thank you. So our topic today is controlling your success at work. First of all, Carol, what attracts you to this topic? Well, I, I, I think it's a little tongue in cheek because we hear so much about controlling the damage you do at work, controlling the negative outcomes at work. And I go, you know, there is a way to control your success at work too, not to limit it, but to control how fast and how far it can grow. I think just a new way, a new perspective to look at it. I love that. Controlling your success, not as a limiter, but as really as a, freeing experience, if you will. Mm -hmm. What attracted you to this topic though? We hear a lot about anxiety at work these days, and it's experienced at every level from the entry level receptionist to the executive at the top. And when I started really looking at this concept of negative energy, negative emotions, we become anxious when we're unclear of how we're doing or we're unclear of where to grow next. And there are ways to really harness that. And I don't want to say heal the anxiety wounds that we sometimes have unexpectedly, but really understand what anxiety is so that we can step on the other side of that and to feel more informed be able to ask questions about how we're doing and really go after the information of where we can grow next so that we gain momentum, we gain positive energy, and we feel more in control of where we actually get to go in our careers. And when we can, when we feel more in control of that, we experience less anxiety and less of the negative ramifications of experiencing anxiety. So what's the magic formula? <laughs> mm. 
And I love that you asked it that way because I think it is a magic formula. First, in preface of using any formula. And I don't want people to think that all life is formulaic um, because people are all unique and people are all individuals. We're all unicorns trying to belong to all the other unicorns and yet still get credit for being unique. If we understand first that the brain is seeking just two things all the time, it makes using a tool or a set of questions or a way to have conversations and the formula that supports it more effectively. So to give preface to this, um, when I was charged with training people in how to give feedback, it failed 95% of the time. And that wasn't on me. It was because people don't like the conversation at all because they don't know how to control it. And this came out of research of Harvard. And what they started to find is that when they taught people how to go after the information they wanted, the feedback they wanted, when they could use it, when it was useful, it changed the dynamics of that relationship and that conversation. Because the brain is looking for where do I fit? What am I doing right? And where do I grow next? And it's an infinity loop. When we learn something, we want to belong to those people who know it. And then we're fascinated by what else we can learn. Social media has capitalized on the way the brain functions because you will scroll for all the things that is exciting and that you love and you understand and know. And then you see something new. Ooh, I have to go learn it. And you keep in. You stay in social media and you keep going. And you'll notice that there is no place in the brain for negativity. So social media allows you to hide, delete, unfriend. But we don't know how to do that at work. We can't. Somebody's coming like, I have feedback for you. Like, quick, hide, unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Delete. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. And so if the feedback conversation is in, still in the top five most conflicting conversations at work, how do I turn the table and give the receiver the power to control the conversation and go after the parts of it they really can work with. So back to this idea of formulaic, I did find that there was a framework that could be done in any order, but it did have four parts that were very, very important to helping people understand how to step out of school thinking where they're told what to do and step into work thinking where they can go after what to do. And it's going to sound pretty simplistic in the beginning until you start to put it to use. So the first part was context. Be very clear about what you want to talk about. Hey, do you have five minutes? I want to talk about yesterday's meeting. Let the other person have the grace to change their brain from whatever they were thinking on to know what you want to think about. It sets both people up for success and they go, oh, oh, oh okay. Yesterday's meeting. Got it. I'm there with you. Okay. The next question is seek one thing. And this is where the brain neuroscience has really helped determine that we can only honor one thing at a time. So if you're asking, hey, what was the one piece of data that's going to change the project the most in that meeting? That's one thing. If what was the most important decision we made in yesterday's meeting? Again, the most if you can bring it to a point of one concentration, it drives such a rich conversation because then they can go, oh, okay, well, the most important decision, oh, the most important piece of data. And then the third part of this equation is don't forget to ask them how they see it. 
Well, tell me how that affects what you're doing today. Tell me how you see me taking that data. Tell me how you see the team taking that decision and starting today. Ask to see life through the other person's eyes because we all think differently. We all see differently. And let me tell you, when you ask that question, your esteem goes really high up in their opinion because you're showing curiosity. You're asking a really cool question and you're really valuing what they're about to say. It's a really great tool in any conversation. Show me how it is through your eyes is the concept. But I ask people just, how do you see that? And you can be as specific as you want on that one. But the fourth part, which is what we forget the most, is what and how questions. And you can do both, you can do either or. But if I were to continue on this topic, yesterday's meeting, most important decision, share with me how you see us acting on that decision, the what and how questions, like, what's the first step you want me to take today? How do you see success of this decision being played out? Whatever it is, a what or a how question will move the conversation forward into action. And when you can leave a conversation, even if it's a five-minute conversation with an action item, you have energy, you have more positive energy, and you're not questioning all the things you don't know because you asked about them. There's such richness in that, Carol. One of the things that jumped out to me is number three. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I tie it to Judith Glasser's trust model, mm-hmm. which the R in, in trust is relationship. It's about seeing the world through the other's eyes. And as you said, when I ask that question, I'm valuing you. I'm valuing what you're bringing to the table. I'm really trying to see the world through your eyes. How do people who have never taken this step before mm. find the courage to do it? And that is such a worthy question because I get asked that a lot. How do I? And, and I think to your point, I recognize the newness of this tool because we're kind of taught not to ask in school along the way, you know, memorize, regurgitate, memorize, regurgitate. And now we're like, okay, you have the power, go after it. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to do that. They're still waiting for the teacher to teach, forgetting that they may now be the teacher. Or or to make it okay to actually yes. take that power. Right. So a lot of times I have to have a question about, here's what you didn't learn in school. And here's what people hire you for. And when people get reminded about what they're hired to do and curiosity and learning is part of that equation, they get a little bit like, oh, oh, it's my job to now go ask. It's my job to be curious. And then I'll introduce an idea of like, you know, the communication is not just about moving your mouth. The person who has the most power in a conversation is the person listening. So your job is to ask questions so you get to listen and collect information so that when they turn to you for a decision, you've gotten all the information you need and you can now make a really valid suggestion because you've asked for the one thing that was the most important, the most meaningful. You've asked to see life through their eyes. You've learned how they see things. You've asked them what and how questions. What do they want to see first? What do they want to see next? How do they 
expect the team to be doing this by Friday so that now you've gathered, you've listened more than you've talked and you have more power to make really good suggestions and make really good efforts and strides in your work. So it's almost like introducing a new tool that came along with the hiring paperwork. And I've, I found that by introducing it that way, it's the un, it's between the lines thing they didn't read, they were hired to do. They're more welcome to embracing it right away. It's not a new phenomenon that just is this year's trend. This has been a brilliant tool that leaders and facilitators and great speakers have been using for centuries. They learn how people see things so they understand how to talk to them. They learn what's important so they understand what to prioritize. They learn. You have to ask questions to learn. This just was a new way of sharing with people how to do it. When I am talking with leaders, I say your role really has only two responsibilities. The first is to set those people up for success who report to you. And the second is to keep the path clear in front of them so that they can succeed. I'm really hearing this play into both of those roles because as a leader, I'm asking you how to set you up for success. I'm opening up the doors at least if we're not having it now for that conversation of I'm not getting what I need from purchasing or I'm not getting the support I need from HR or whatever. So I, I really see this as, as a, as you said, it sounds simple <laughs> approach with an incredible amount of value. What are some of the obstacles that people encounter when they actually try to bring this to play? There's a somewhere an old myth or old story that came from some of the great hero stories we listen to that you need to command and direct. You need to tell people what to do. You need to control what everybody does. And if people really took time to understand the great leaders, that's not what they did. And so there have been sound clips that people have clung to as footpath things to step on that are incorrect, that are misguiding. And again, if you spend what your initial 12 years between kindergarten, and high school, then you go to college, then you go to graduate work. It's not until graduate work that someone challenges you to think on your own and critically analyze and start asking questions. So we get misdirected by this memorize and regurgitate and tell me the answer education system we have. And it's not, I'm not ragging on the education system. There's a lot of brilliant teachers out there who understand how to teach critical thinking and creative thinking and innovative thinking. But there's a piece they're forgetting to bring to light that they're teaching their students how to ask better questions. For the majority of those walking into the workplace now or having to work virtually, if you don't get the uh, water cooler time or the hallway time, you have to intentionally craft time to ask those questions. And that's intimidating too. To your point about the two things you feel leaders are responsible for, and I agree, they often will turn to me and go, well, how? Because what I've been doing so far isn't working. And I go, well, what questions are you asking? And they go, well, ask, what do you want? What do you need? And I go, mm, 
maybe we could refine the information you're going after with specifics. Let's just get really specific and sit down with your people and ask them what success looks like to them. Ask them what is the most challenging thing they think is getting in their way. How do they see life every day? And get to know the reality that your people are working in so that you understand how to pave the way and get out of the way for them to be successful. Start learning, not just asking to be told. Take the time because they're going to tell you something and words are subjective. So success can be subjective. It's hard, subjective. It's challenging, subjective. Get specific. And so when people would ask me how, that's how this came about. I needed to go learn how to tangibly lead a leader to act on their curiosity, to sit down and build that relationship they have never built that way before. And so I think this is why we like tools. It gives us new strength and new avenues and new ways to think and be creative, but it all comes out of how do we do it? And that's where that conversation always reverts back to for me. It's like, well, what are you asking? How are you asking that? What do you really need to know? So, Carol, I report to you. Okay. You're asking me these questions. And I say, I know how to make this happen. This is the first step I'm going to take. And you know I'm stepping over the edge of the cliff. How do you respond? I go, okay, I hear you. And I think I see where you're going with this, but can you walk me through how you see yourself doing that? Share with me what success looks like through your eyes. I think there's something you may not be seeing, but I don't know what that is yet. Walk me there. And I really sit back and let them be specific so that I understand where that blind spot is that exists because nobody intentionally wants to walk off a cliff. And I always have in the back of my head, assume noble intent. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets up every morning, any morning going, I cannot wait to suck so bad today. (laughs) I'm going to be so bad at my job. I'll be fired by five. This is going to be great. No, everybody gets up going, this is going to be a good day. I am going to make this a good day. I want to be successful. So if we know everybody gets up every day trying to be successful, where are they having the missteps? Where are the misunderstandings? Where are their blind spots? Because my responsibility is for them to be successful, not to fall off a cliff, but also not micromanage them because they get the chance to grow. So a lot of times to your question, I say, walk me there. Let's see if there's any blind spots you haven't considered. And let's find out what's going right to get there. And let's find out where you can grow that you may not have been aware of that's going to make this happen better. I never talk about improvement. In fact, I would love for people to not be able to ask the question, here's how you can prove or how can I improve? No, because that implies somebody is broken or needs fixing. Nobody shows up to work broken or needing fixing. They need growing. So when we talk about growing, it's a positive conversation. And we get to go there together so I understand how to support that growth and they know where they're growing. So I want to push this a little bit further. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm 
saying we're going down this path and when we hit the juncture, we're turning left. And here's why we're turning left. And again, you know, left is taking us right off the cliff. How do you respond? Talk to me about turning right. Why, what's, what, what makes you not want to turn right? Give me the, the, the thinking behind your adamance on turning left. I'd like to know more about how you rationalize not turning right. I'm still curious. Now, let's say we're in a deadline. Hmm. Well, we're all in a deadline. And I go in, I'm like, hey, how's the process going? We still have a deadline on Friday. And they're talking, you're talking. And you're like, here's what we're doing. And I know that that is going to run into challenges. And I'm, and to your point, I can say, have you considered the challenges you're going to run into taking that path? I want to know. Maybe I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have, they're experts and brilliant. Maybe you have figured out the challenges and it's still going to work. I get to learn that because I have to defend you. So it's a good question for me to ask. Tell me about the challenges you foresee because I see some challenges that you may not, but maybe you have. Let's talk about those challenges. It can be done. Big information can happen in a little bit of time because the moment I challenge or ask about the challenges and they've got it figured out and I agree with them, I can defend them. But if they're, if you're going down a path that I know it, we've tried before, tell me what you're doing new this time, not to have the same results that we had the last time. I need to give people credit for thinking on the job. You may have had a breakthrough yesterday. You're not telling me about the breakthrough because it solved the problem I didn't know we solved. But I will always ask, what's the challenges? Where's your head? Tell me why you didn't go right. I have to defend you. So I need to know the way you think so I can defend you. Happy to defend you. Let's just make sure we're on the right path together. Can you do it by Friday? Is this going to work by Friday? And if not, why not? Because I have to defend you. So many of the leaders that I work with feel that they are rewarded for making decisions and taking action. And when I approach them about bringing more of a coach approach to their interaction with their team. The response is often, I don't have time. And I, I, sometimes you can kind of see that, that comment coming. I don't have time. And I'm like, okay, so let's have the coma conversation tomorrow on your way to work, whether you bike or ride, something happens and you're in an accident and you're in a coma for the next three months. Who can step in and keep this train running so well that you can heal with, without stress or without worry? And they'll go, oh, and I go, so if you don't have time, then you're not grooming somebody to step in and keep this organization running. And your job is to the organization, not to you. Everything we do has to be so the organization grows, not so one person gets credit. So. Now do you have time? Where can we find the time? I need to find a better way to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it drives home that your job as a leader is to make time to grow people to replace you. Yeah. And they forget that. We forget that. I forget that. We all are human and we are in a method of working and getting things done. The other piece of that that I find so important Many years ago, uh, I trained, I was at KPMG at the time, and I trained in organizational change management with Daryl Connor. 
And Daryl's recognized as one of the founders of the field. And he would just teach you everything he knew, which was not how consultants typically work. True. And, and so I asked him that early on and he said, if I can teach you everything I know and you can do it now, I can learn more and I can continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And so that finding time to nurture those who are on our team is making time to allow ourselves to continue to grow and advance as well. To back that up, when a leader says, I just, I can barely have time to breathe, right? He says, it's not as big a deal as you think, because this may make your performance development, your performance plans, the way, the method, and when your people grow, be an asset to the bottom line of the organization. So you don't have to set extra time aside. What you need to do is spend time, a little bit of time, and look at each of your direct reports and write down what they're doing really well and write down where you think they can grow next. And they're all going to be different. And what they agree to grow next in may expand the services your organization can deliver in a year or two. So it's not just growing a human. You're expanding and getting curious about where your organization can grow with the talent you currently have. Because everybody wants to know what they're doing right and where they can grow next. So let's optimize that like you're mining for gold. And this is where it makes you a very attentive leader with not a lot of time spent and doing each treating each person as the gold mine they are and really getting a, 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 a good sense of how to control the success of your whole team and where they are capable of going because they will stay with you if they think you care about their growth. But if you don't care about where they're growing as a human person working in your organization for the organization, that's why they leave. Carol, we're going to have to wrap this up. Any last words for our listeners? This is such a rich conversation. I would love to encourage everyone to look at their day and their work, give themselves credit for what they really do well, look at where they don't think they do well, and then make five minutes of time to go have a quick conversation with the person they report to and say, hey, what do you think I'm doing right? And where do you think I can grow around this thing? Set the conversation up for success. Ask for the one thing that they could do to grow, not improve. Please stop using that word. Ask how they see you doing that. How do they recognize you doing it and what and how to get started? What's the first thing I should do? What training do I need? How do you see me doing that in the next few months? But just own it. Own your career and go after what you want. Carol Stizza, thank you so much for this conversation. Brian, you're a joy. Thanks for spending the time with me too. 